Musical structures. When did that start happening and why? Well, like everything else in human history, there was none first. There was no structure. How do we know? We don't. One of the things about music as compared to other art forms that were out of necessity written down or painted or sculpted is that early musical history is at best gleaned as a kind of supposition. We can make assumptions based on other things, including the instruments that have survived, the harps, the flutes, the lyres. They're called lyres. And we can make assumptions based on how language developed, which we know more about. What we don't know is, for example, what exactly the ancient Greeks were playing, or the Israelites, or Ethiopians, or whoever. We can make guesses from descriptions in language, and the, as I said, the instruments that survived. We can also, however, intuitively surmise certain things about how we experience music even now. Now, we can go back. Music notations started perhaps with Gregorian chant, and people started writing things down. And then the notated version of music developed over quite some time, maybe a thousand years, until it became the refined system that we have today that was more or less in place by the Renaissance years and so on. That part of musical history from that time on of notated musical history we we do know about we know about it to some extent because of what's been written down there are always mysteries about how things were really played of course until the dawn of the recording music age and even then even after all of recorded music there's some mystery involved however that's neither here nor there for today's episode which is how do we get to musical structure? I mean by structure, song forms, verse, chorus, bridge. I mean larger forms like sonata form. How do we get there? From a supposed beginning of just humming something or tapping out a rhythm on a rock. I suppose it didn't start quite like that. A, there were no pianos. B, there was, at the beginning, pre-music, let's say, there was no system of organizing pitches. 
There was, however, very much an acoustical system in place. Not that we put it there. It's just a part of the natural world, sound. How sounds propagate into the world, into the universe. Sound waves. They have characteristics. They have fundamentals that, of course, in pre-scientific eras, we didn't understand, perhaps, mathematically, intellectually. But humans, like other animals, were able to perceive things, were able to notice things as a part of being embedded in nature. A tone, a single note. Rings out with many other notes in it. This is true if you're singing, if you're playing a flute, or even a drum. Now that's a low C, but that C has other notes in it. Listen when I press them down. There's a, there is a C major chord embedded in that one note. Those are called overtones. And as soon as somebody starts singing, the overtones are there, whether we're consciously aware of them or not. And those overtones make up chords, the fundamental chord, the major chord first, and then other chords. They suggest things to us. They suggest other notes. So that one note can suggest these notes. And if we keep extending out further into the overtones, the higher up the overtones, the softer they are, but there are a lot of them. Eventually, we get the five, four notes of my theme, a simple thing. I didn't mean to build it on a C major triad, but that's convenient for my point, for my thesis, which is first, themes themselves, orders of notes, the simplest musical structure of all, a theme, emerges out of fundamental notes, a single note. It's in that note. A single note has many notes. And those notes can be expressed harmonically, meaning in a chord, or melodically. So we hear these things. They're in nature, not just us. Birds, obviously. Other mammals hear different pitches, and they're in the air, literally, sound being the vibration of air, and we start to put them together into little thematic elements. But as soon as that happens, as soon as a little musical idea emerges, what do you do? What's the natural thing to do? Well, repeat it.
Say there's a guy with a low voice who could sing this low C, not me. And then you can repeat it once. But after twice, you're already feeling the need to vary it. But I've just stayed on that initial four notes. If I keep doing that, it's going to get a little dull, so maybe I'll add one more note. Maybe I'll add that note, that A. And I'll do it lower, because maybe there's some singers around who can't hit that high A, so... Take some of those other notes and put them lower. just done in fact is played the fi the five notes we have now are what's known as the major pentatonic scale five note scale which is a kind of universal scale it appears in every musical culture as far as i know and the, the question is why again getting it gets back to how we hear natural acoustical laws of the universe the first three notes I played are embedded in that fundamental note, that C. If you press down keys silently on the piano, you could hear it. But they are the first three overtones of that fundamental note, the C major chord in this case. The other notes come up in the overtone series of the pentatonic scale. We added a a D in between there, and then an A, they are later in the series, and they're really the ones that we hear whether we're conscious of hearing them or not. They are embedded into the way we perceive sound in the universe. So those notes of the pentatonic scale are naturally just there. There are some other technical reasons why having to do with the perfect fifth and I'm not getting into that. For the sake of this particular episode, let's assume that those notes are there for the taking. And you will notice in most rock, most popular music, melodies are built on that scale, by the way. But getting back to the theme of how structures emerge, if I do this thing, I 
I do that enough, there's already a kind of structure emerging, right? As soon as you repeat something, as soon as you repeat a musical phrase, a rhythm, a structure is starting to happen. The problem is... This, even if I add some variation with the extra note, it gets a little stagnant as a pure listening experience from a structural point. You're sitting there around the campfire. People are clapping a rhythm. Somehow I end up doing a 3-2 clave. Look it up. Da-da-da-da-da. Da 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 da. Say the whole uh, family is around the hearth singing that song, the whole uh, local group of hunter gatherers. Music is no doubt evolved as a part of ritual, and in some sense, it's never left that when you think about it. Don't think about it. But somebody, the more musically inclined, the more talented person in that group is going to think, ah, I got it do something with this. This is We keep doing the same thing over and over. You know, there's probably words that change, but at some point somebody says, or just does, this. They get bold and they go up. So what I just did there was a blues form structure. Blues structure emerged almost willfully out of the theme itself. That's because I kind of made it bluesy by adding this little grace note, this little accidental. was not happening around the fire. But the point is that as soon as you repeat something and then repeat it again and repeat it again, there is a natural inclination to vary it, to vary it, to want to vary it, to eventually vary it, to, in the end, change what you're doing. Why is this? Because music moves through time. It doesn't sit in a single moment. And the evolving story of human expression exists not as a static moment, 
but develops. The story wants to be told. So, without even really thinking about it too much, we start forming structures. We just want to go to the next place with the simple theme. Thank you. 
By the end of the year, I'm hoping to release an album inspired by Keith Jarrett called Imaginary Dialogues Part 1, Keith Jarrett at Arm's Length, which I admit is a handful. This is technically the first in a planned series of imaginary dialogues with various musical heroes and anti-heroes of mine. In fact, however, I released the first one last year without really knowing that's what it was. Broken Glass, Maximal Minimalism, which is a sort of argument with and an appreciation of Philip Glass. That one's available on all the streamers, as will the Jared album from which you're listening to a track right now. And you can hear more of it after the official episode ends. Now back to the show. Another aspect of a theme repeating itself, varying itself, leading to a structure like the blues, maybe the foundational structure of all music in a certain way. Another aspect of that is the theme itself getting a little mm, tiresome to hear, to repeat even with the variations. And what does that do? Well, that fatigue of that single theme leads to another theme. At some point in that last improvisation, I decided I had had enough and... Which... And I think it was something like that, which is clearly derived from the first theme. In fact, in another key, but I do something else. And my sense, again, is structure emerged by not only varying the initial theme, but building other themes either out of it or something else altogether. If I, I took that idea. So I used the initial theme, changed it. So consciously or somewhat unconsciously derived another theme and let that theme have its say for a bit. And now, as soon as you do that, you're starting to build more complex structures. For example, a verse and a chorus. Let's do that with our theme. Okay, so we have a one part there. Let's call that the verse. 
Let's get to a chorus or a bridge. And let's say that's our... I still incorporated the main theme, but there was a change there. And then where do you go after that? Well, you go back to the main theme. Well, there's only one place to go now. So, in doing all that, you could perhaps see how musical structures start to emerge out of simple themes. There are many different types of musical structures, but the fundamental aspect of how they evolve is related to the themes themselves, how they want to move, want to not be stuck in time, want to tell a story. And I suppose the structure that you end up using, whether it's a time-worn structure like the blues or verse-chorus, verse-chorus-bridge or others, it depends on what kind of story you want to tell.
So I somewhat accidentally answered the question I posed in the last episode, but failed to adequately answer. Where do themes come from? It turns out, as I said here, they come from a single note. Pretty cool, and I never really thought of it that way until now. But in this episode, I ended with the thought that we choose our musical forms to a greater extent by what kinds of things we want our themes to do. So the next several episodes will be about just that. What kind of stories do different forms tend to tell? Stay tuned.